My dear respected brothers and sisters, today I want to speak about the death of the uncle of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went through a lot in his life. From the trials and tribulations and the difficulties that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam experienced was losing his beloved uncle. Sa'id ibn Musayyib rahimahullah ta'ala who was married off by Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu to his daughter. Abu Huraira married him off to his daughter. Narrates that his father, may Allah Azza wa Jal be pleased with him, that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dakhala ala Abi Talib wa hu fi hadratil mawt. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he entered upon his uncle Abu Talib while he was on his deathbed. And then he says to his uncle, Ayyam, oh uncle, Oh uncle, say this statement of La ilaha illallah. If you say it, O oh uncle, I will defend you in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Yom al Qiyamah. I will fight your case in front of Allah jalla fi ula. And after entering upon his uncle, my brothers and my sisters, he found Abu Jahl and also Abdullah ibn Abi Umayyah all sitting around their relative, Abu Talib. After they heard the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, قُلْ لَا إِلَهِ لَلَّهِ كَلِمَةً أُحَاجُ لَكَ بِهَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ They said, أَتَرْغَبُ عَنْ مِلَّةِ عَبْدُ الْمُطَلِبِ Do you desire other than the religion of Abdul Muttalib? Messenger sallallahu is calling him to Tawheed, calling him to the Shahada, while you have these evil companions who are dragging him to a shirk. Do you desire other than the religion of Abdul Muttalib? And then it would be the Messenger sallallahu who speaks. And then you have them looking to override what the Messenger sallallahu mentioned. And eventually, my brothers and my sisters, he died upon the religion of Abdul Muttalib. Messenger was extremely upset, of course. His uncle just died upon other than al Islam. He said, I will continue to ask Allah to forgive you. As long as I am not prohibited. So two verses came down. First verse that came down is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ وَلَوْ كَانُوا أُلِي قُرْبَى It is not the way of the prophets and also the believers. أَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ That they seek forgiveness for the mushriks. Meaning that they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive someone who has died upon kufr and shirk. Also the verse that came down is when Allah Azza wa Jalla said, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتِ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ Indeed, you, O Muhammad, you do not guide those that you will. Those that you wish to be guided, it is not in your hands. Right? You do not guide those that you have love for. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who guides whoever he wills. 
So I want to my brothers and my sisters extrapolate 15 benefits from this hadith. Initially the idea was to go through 10. But alhamdulillah, if we can get the time to go through 15, that would be wonderful bi ta'ala. The first benefit, my brothers and my sisters, that we can take away and extrapolate from this hadith your close lineage of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is not enough to enter you into Al-Jannah. If you are from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's family, having that lineage without a shadow of a doubt is an honor. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He chooses to grant some that which is not granted to others. Right? Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He told us in many multiple hadith how the relatives of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam should be treated. Right? He said this three times. I remind you of my household. Make sure you treat them well. Right? Even this is the aqidah, the belief of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah when someone is from the Prophet Sallallahu family, he's not to be treated like everyone else. Right? Simply because Allah Azza wa chose to give him that lineage. And there are a lot of ahkam, my brothers and my sisters. However, point that I'm trying to make is the fact that you have that lineage, that shouldn't tell you that it's now sufficient for me to enter into Al-Jannah. I've been stopped multiple times. One asking, because I'm from the Prophet ﷺ's family, right? does that mean I have a ticket to enter into Al-Jannah? Messenger Messenger said, Whoever's slow in coming with actions, then his lineage is not going to rush to save him from the hellfire, right? So that which really, really matters, my brothers and my sisters, is one coming with good deeds. One working his socks off while he has the ability. Getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all the different types of worship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us about. The next benefit that I want to extrapolate from this hadith, my brothers and my sisters, is the fact that the Messenger ﷺ continued giving da'wah to his uncle, it shows that the Messenger ﷺ, even though he was the greatest and most honorable person to ever walk on the face of this earth, there is no one that is more greater than him, no one that is more honorable than him. Right? Having said all of that, he did not know the unseen. Right? This is an attribute that is exclusive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is knowing of the unseen. Allah Azza wa Jalla, He instructs His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to say the following. Say to them, O Muhammad, La amliku. Right? I don't have the ability to bring about harm or benefit. Right? If I had the ability to do so, then I would have indeed taken advantage of the ilmul ghaib. Right? That was the case, then I would have indeed benefited a lot from the matters of the unseen. However, that's something that is exclusive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, my brothers and my sisters, كَانُوا يَعْرِفُونَ مَعْنَ shahada. Right? Quraysh, they knew the meaning of the shahada. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ When it was said to them, say, لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ, they would be arrogant. Right? They would be stubborn. They wouldn't utter لا إله إلا الله because they knew the ramifications and what this kalima entails. 
That once you say La ilaha illallah, that means you have to get rid of all of these idols. We know that the Kaaba was filled with idols. When it was said to them, say La ilaha illallah, they wouldn't even utter it. However, today you may find one uttering the La ilaha illallah, but he doesn't actually know what it means. Or he says La ilaha illallah, while at the same time, he may be practicing certain acts of shirk. Their response would be, You want us to get rid of all of our idols, all of our gods, for a magician that has gone crazy. Right? He would say, say la ilaha illallah. They would respond back by saying, you want us to get rid of all of these gods and turn it into one? As Allah Azza wa quotes in another place in the Quran. So they knew what he meant. Right? Hence why they didn't say it. Today we might say it, while at the same time, my brothers and sisters, we don't actually see what could cause our shahada to diminish. Or some of the things that could destroy our la ilaha illallah. Right? This is why you have treaties teaching and explaining the conditions of la ilaha illallah. And the first condition, my brothers and sisters, is what? Al-ilm. Right? It is to know the meaning of la ilaha illallah. As Allah told us, fa'lam annahu la ilaha illallah. Have knowledge that he, Allah Azza wa Jal, that no one has the right to be worshipped in truth except him. This is something that we must learn, my brothers and my sisters. Right? Al-Shahada, my brothers and my sisters, the kalima, it doesn't mean la qadira ala illallah. This is something that is extremely widespread. To think that the shahada means, right, that no one has the ability to bring into existence except Allah. To believe that no one has the ability to bring into existence except Allah. Yes, it is true. It is Allah Azza wa Jal that can bring that which has no existence into existence, right? However, is that what the essence of La ilaha illallah actually means? So if now somebody believes that, does he become a Muslim when you think about it? My brothers and my sisters, even the Quraysh, they believe this. They knew that the almighty creator is Allah. The almighty provider and sustainer is none other than Allah Azza wa Jal. However, that was not mainly their problem. Their issue was to place intermediaries between themselves and Allah Azza wa Jal. Right? Allah Azza wa Jal, tells us, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ If you ask them who created the heavens and earth, they say it's Allah. But the issue is what? Was with ibadah, with acts of worship. Not making that sincere for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? This is what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to pull them away from. This was his da'wah. So the shahada, my brothers and my sisters, it means that no one has the right to be worshipped. It's mainly revolving around the issue of what? Worship. And if one makes his act solely for Allah Azza wa Jal, right, then this individual is on his way, inshaAllah ta'ala, of actualizing this kalima. Or some of the other ta'arif definitions that we hear, my brothers and my sisters, pertaining to the shahada, la mawjuda illallah. Nothing exists except Allah Azza wa Jal. And again, my brothers and my sisters, this is a deficiency with regards to what La ilaha illa actually means. Right? Number four, my brothers and my sisters, the care and concern that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had for his uncle. He continued and he continued. Right? Even though Abu Talib was there with him all the time. Right? He knew the religion of Islam was the correct religion. And he didn't accept it. Did you know that my brothers and my sisters, he knew that the religion of Islam was actually the true religion. 
And I'll come on to some of the other benefits as to why he didn't accept it. But the Messenger continued and continued and continued. Sometimes we are ready to throw in the towel, right? We're ready to give up. And sometimes this may even happen to students who go abroad. They study for a couple of years. They come back expecting, expecting for their families to roll in front of them the red carpet, ready to accept everything they say, to throw roses at them. Jazakallah khair. It's not going to be as easy as that. Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he continued all the way to the last few moments. And this is how we should be, my brothers and my sisters. We have some of our relatives who may not be Muslims. We have some of our relatives who are carrying out the worst of sins, right? And it might be so easy for us to just call it a day, forget about them. Allah will deal with them. La, my brothers and my sisters, keep inviting them to that which is correct. This is what the Messenger Sallallahu was like, as you can see. Number five, my brothers and my sisters, is ta'thiru julisa'is su. The bad, evil influence that your companions can have on an individual. Right? It was because of his bad companions that he died upon kufr, even though the Messenger Sallallahu was there. Hoping that he will accept Islam. Just like that Jewish young man Accepted Al-Islam when the Messenger entered upon him, right? Subhanallah. That Jewish young man that the Messenger وسلم, entered upon, he told him, say, La ilaha illallah. His own father said, Ati' Abu Al-Qasim. Obey Abu Al-Qasim. Meaning, the Prophet وسلم, and he eventually entered into Al-Islam. While you have in this scenario, the companions of Abu Talib who are upon shirk and kufr, while the Messenger وسلم, is inviting him to Islam, they had that evil influence. Right? Some of us who have been born upon Islam, sometimes we tend to think that it is far-fetched for us to leave the fold of Islam or to die upon kufr, my brothers and my sisters. Let us think again, especially with the environment that we live in. Right? With all types of filth that is so manifest and widespread and rampant. What makes you think that we will die upon Al-Islam or our children will die upon Al-Islam? Number six, my brothers and my sisters. He died upon Al-Kufr, Khawfan. Out of fear of what the people would say, as the scholars mentioned. Especially in today's day and age, we are in need of being courageous, my brothers and my sisters. Otherwise, let's not be surprised once the religion of Islam begins to fade away, right? normative Islam is under attack. There's an ideological war against every single one of us looking to downplay and to dilute our fundamentals and our morals. Right? Out of fear of what the people would say, Abu Talib refused to become a Muslim. There are some lines of poetry that have been attributed to him. Where he says, وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُ بِأَنَّ دِينَ مُحَمَّدٍ مِنْ خَيْرِ أَدْيَانِ الْبَرِيَّةِ دِينَا لَوْلَا الْمَلَامَةُ أَوْ حَذَارُ مَسَبَّةٍ لَرَأَيْتَنِي سَمْحًا بِذَاكَ مُبِينَا Right? I have come to know that the religion of Islam is the truth. It is the greatest of religions. However, out of fear of being criticized and insulted and what the people were going to say about him, right? He refused. Otherwise, you would have seen me entering into Al-Islam with no problems whatsoever. Right? How relatable is this in today's day and age, my brothers and my sisters? Let me tell you, my brothers and my sisters, especially 
with all of this filth that is being shoved down our throats. The rainbow team is extremely, extremely active. Right? Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi said, La tastas'ib mukhalafat al-nasi wa tahayyuz ila Allahi wa rasooli. Don't see it as a burden, siding with Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? And being upon that which is correct. Opposing, even if it is the majority who are taking a particular stance on something that Allah Azza wa Jal and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are displeased with. He says, right? Even if you are by yourself, what will happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be with you. If you speak that which is correct, if you speak that which is the truth, expect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to aid and assist you in your dealings and in your ventures, right? What do we expect, my brothers and my sisters, to happen to the next generation if we are terrified of holding on to our morals and our values? You know, I've been seeing, saying this a lot. Let me ask you all a question. Why is it that the rainbow team, the rainbow team, right? They are the loudest, even though they are the fewest. They are the minority today. However, they come across the loudest on the face of this earth today. Why? Because every single one of them is playing an active role in spreading that which they stand for and what they believe and what their morals and their values are. But we are extremely terrified, right? Allahu A'lam, what we're going to die upon, what our children are going to end up embracing. And we see it right before our eyes. What they're being indoctrinated with when they go to these schools. They don't know any better. Then they come home, Dad, huh? I'm beginning to doubt what my pronouns are. And then we get upset. Why should we get upset? Or get angry when we, when we are not teaching them. Or we're terrified of explaining to them what the Quran, what Allah Azza wa mentioned. Number seven, my brothers and my sisters, Adam Jawaz al-Istighfar. The impermissibility of seeking forgiveness for someone who has died upon other than Islam. My brothers and my sisters, I decided to open up Twitter this morning, hoping that I wouldn't see it, but I ended up seeing it. We know a football icon passed away yesterday, right? Pele, arguably the greatest player to ever walk on the face of this earth. Put it into Twitter, Muslims are saying, may Allah forgive him. May Allah have mercy upon his soul. May Allah give him paradise. Right? They really die upon Islam. Are we going to use this card? Or oh, maybe he said it last moment. It is not permissible. La yajuz. The messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was prohibited from seeking forgiveness for his own uncle. This is our aqeedah. This was mentioned in the Quran, brothers and sisters. Right? This is just back to basics. Back to the drawing board. What our basic fundamentals are with regards to Islam. Number eight, my brothers and my sisters, that which you say is to someone who is on his deathbed. When you see someone on his deathbed, it's not the right time to start speaking to him about who's going to be playing next or to start making jokes with him. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told us, لَقِّنُوا مَوْتَاكُمْ لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ do talqeen of la ilaha, meaning try to get him to say la ilaha illallah. You don't say it to him, say it. No, just you say it and then hoping that he ends up uttering it on his tongue. And the last thing that comes out of his mouth is none other than la ilaha illallah. Right? 
This is what we hope for them. For them to die upon La ilaha illallah, as the Messiah told us. Man kana akhiru kalamihi La ilaha illallah dakhal al-jannah. Whoever's last statement is La ilaha illallah, he will enter into al-jannah. And the principle is, my brothers and my sisters, whatever kind of life you live, expect to die upon that. And that's common sense. If you're someone who's living upon a tawheed, living upon obedience to Allah Azza wa Jal, inshaAllah ta'ala, you will die like that. We always see these videos going around of someone dying with mushaf in his hand, right? Sitting in the Prophet's masjid, right? Reading Quran and he passes away. You see CCTV clips going around. Someone praying in the masjid by himself. And then he ends up dying like that. On the other hand, we hear about people who died in the club. We hear about an individual just the other day, Wallahi, someone messaged me saying that someone was called over, I think he was to play the drum or the piano, one of these musical instruments. And then he was shot. And then someone's asking me, how do I deal with it? I'm struggling. It was a close friend of mine. Right? To die like this or to die like that. Whoever is excessive in doing something is very likely going to die like that. And that is common sense. Number nine, my brothers and my sisters, it is not right for you to start criticizing someone just because some of his relatives may have gone astray. You know, some of the comments that I've heard time and time again, right? Look at the uncle. He's sitting in the front row. He prays on the front row while his daughters and his children huh, are selling drugs outside. Criticizing that man who's on the front row of the masjid because maybe due to what his kids are doing. How do you know that the father is not advising them? Is the guidance in his hand? Is the guidance in his hand, my brothers and my sisters? Why don't we blame the Prophet wasallam also? Right? Why didn't the Messenger wasallam guide his uncle to Al-Islam? He died upon shirk, right? As in Sahih Bukhari. Should we just blame him now? For not guiding his uncle? Should we also blame Lut alayhi salatu wasalam for his wife going astray? Right? We know, as Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah rahmatullahi alayhi told us, huh? Whoever is satisfied and pleased with what a group of people do, he will be gathered with them on Yawm al-Qiyamah. The wife of Lut, even though she didn't carry out homosexuality, she will be gathered with them simply because she used to what? Propagate it. She was satisfied with it. Even though she didn't actually carry it out. Right? So this is a huge benefit that we can take away from this. Fear Allah Azza wa with what you say about others. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may end up testing you with the exact same thing. What makes you think that he's not advising them? That he's not trying to teach them? But they are being rebellious when listening to his advices. Number 10, my brothers and my sisters, the difficulty in inviting your relatives to Islam or to that which is correct. The hardest type of da'wah is da'wah to your own relatives. Wallah, it's not easy. And that's what we learn from the seerah of the Messenger His own uncle Abu Lahab humiliated and embarrassed him in front of everyone. Right? When the Messenger wanted to remind them of Allah Azza wa Jal and to invite them to Al-Islam. Is this why you gathered us? May you perish for the rest of the day. 
This is what Abu Lahab does to his own nephew in front of everyone. Messenger went through a lot. So it's upon us to be extremely, extremely patient when inviting our relatives to that which is correct. And that is not going to be easy. Right? It's not going to be plain sailing as they say. It's going to be difficult. Even Atai ibn Abi Rabah, he said, Those who will forsake a person of knowledge more than anyone are his own relatives. Or don't take him seriously. Only maybe later on when they see other people appreciating you, that's when they will listen to you. Number 11, my brothers and my sisters, the guidance is in the hands of who? It's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should directly ask Allah jalla fi Sometimes we become overly reliant on the creation. Right? We become extremely dependent on them. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sincerely from the bottom of your heart. How many of us, my brothers and my sisters, when we are reading Surah Al-Fatiha in the Salah, and we come to Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqeem, Ya Allah, guide me to the right path. We say this from our hearts. We say this with a passion. And we mean it. Or has it just become like a normal routine of, you know, you have to read the Fatiha in order for your Salah to be valid? In your sujood, my brothers and my sisters, you have the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Out of all people, he used to be excessive in saying, Allahumma ya muqallib al-qulub, thabit qulubna ala deenik. O turner of the hearts, keep our hearts firm upon your religion. This is the Prophet of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the greatest man to ever walk on the face of this earth. He knew that he was going to be entering into al-Jannah. And even then he would beg Allah azza wa jal for uprightness. And we live in this country, my brothers and my sisters, with all types of filth and evil being shoved down our throats. We are not in need of this dua to constantly beg Allah azza wa jal. Number 12, my brothers and my sisters, this hadith is a rebuttal Anyone who might say that Abu Talib died upon Al-Islam. And you see this being said and mentioned and spread from time to time. This is not the case as you can clearly see a narration in Sahih Bukhari. He died upon other than Al-Islam. Number 13, my brothers and my sisters. The severity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment, especially if you die upon a shirk. Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, Ya Rasulullah. Have you managed to benefit Abu Talib in any way, shape or form? Because he used to defend you. He used to get angry for you. Abu Talib was like that, my brother. He used to defend the Messenger Really would go out his way to protect him. Yes, I was able to benefit him. He's in the highest part of the hellfire. The highest part of the hellfire. And if it wasn't for me, he would have been in the lowest part of the hellfire. And you know what this kind of punishment is? We are told in another hadith. A stone or a rock from the rocks of hellfire are brought and it will be placed under his ankles, which will cause his brain to boil. He's in the highest part of the hellfire, my brothers and my sisters. Let alone if someone now has been thrown into the lowest part of the hellfire like the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. In al-munafiqeen fi dark al-asfali min al-nar, as Allah Azza told us. The hypocrites, they are in the lowest part of the hellfire. Right? We are told in another hadith, the fire that we kindle with in this dunya, it is one-seventieth, one-seventieth of the fire of the hereafter. 
Right? Sometimes you're ironing and you burn your hand. You're using Vaseline for the next week. You're in pain. We can't bear the fire of this world, brothers and sisters. We've seen what happened in the summers, how hot it became. It was unbearable. It's the fire of the hereafter, my brothers and my sisters. Number 14, my brothers and my sisters. Shiddatu ibtila'in Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? Whoever thinks that he can't do well in life because of the odds being stacked up against him, due to what may have happened to him in his childhood, then take a moment to reflect on that which happened with the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If there was anyone, my brothers and my sisters, that went through trauma, then it's the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He overcame all of the difficulties. He was born without a father, brought up as a yatim, as an orphan. His mother passed away at the age of six. His grandfather passed away at the age of eight. Right? And then later on, he sees his uncle passing away. Did you know, my brothers and my sisters, six out of the seven children that a messenger gave birth to, they all passed away in his lifetime. He went through all of these difficulties, my brothers and my sisters. Right? He demonstrated a beautiful form of patience. If you think you're going through a lot, take a moment to reflect on our beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and what he went through and how he overcame it. Flicking through the Quran and the seerah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam really, really does ease the pain and the problems that we go through, brothers and sisters. It puts us in a better place mentally, spiritually. And last but not least, my brothers and my sisters, number 15, ahamiyatu ta'allum al-deen. The importance of learning your religion. And I think this hadith is a good example of that. All of these benefits that we took away from this hadith and how much there is to learn and how much the knowledge can actually protect us from the doubts that are spread and the temptations that we face on a day-to-day basis. The ilm will help us navigate and maneuver around the fitna to shubuhat and the fitna to shahwat. The fitna of doubts and the fitna of temptations. A lot of people think that you only seek knowledge if you want to become the next big scholar. Wallahi brothers, we got it wrong. And sisters, it is a way of life. It teaches us how to function in so many different ways. Learning a little bit every day to get closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. Sometimes we don't feel that connection between ourselves and Allah. Maybe because Allah Azza wa Jal has not become venerated and glorified enough in our hearts. And that is because we don't know much about it. So let us learn our religion. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذنياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا اصرف عنا عذاب جهنم إن عذابها كان غراما إنها ساءت مستقرا ومقاما سبحانك الله بحمدك شهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك Have you ever wished that there was a Muslim version of YouTube or Netflix? Well, we have created one. The One Islam TV app has no adverts and is safe to browse for your peace of mind. Watch hundreds of high-quality produced Islamic reminders, Quran videos, stories of the prophets, hot topic, debates, and so much more. Four to eight new videos are uploaded daily, inshallah. You can watch or listen to videos while your device is switched off. Watch videos on demand or download videos and watch offline. 
One Islam TV is 100% run and owned by Muslims, which means the small amount you pay for your subscription is a sadaqa jariyah, continuous charity for you, as we use the funds raised to continue producing more beneficial videos and reminders, insha'Allah. The One Islam TV app is now available on Apple devices, Apple TV, Android devices, Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. So you can watch on most devices and smart TVs. Download now for a free 7-day trial. May Allah reward you for supporting our work. Mm -hmm.